more people registered that haven't come in, so there may be a few filtering in, but I want to honor our time and get started. So thank you mm -hmm. for being here. Uh, and I would love to hear just who we all are, because uh, some of you may know each other, but I don't recognize any faces in the room this morning. Usually I recognize one or two. Um, but I'll start by um, just telling you who I am, and then if we could just go around and briefly and say you know, who you are, where you're coming from, um, and maybe if you have any reason specifically you're here, or any specific questions you want to make sure are covered, that's always um, helpful to hear. So, I'm just disruptive. Thank you. So, my name is Heather Wolf. I am a registered dietitian by training, and I work as a dietitian and health coach at Dartmouth Hitchcock, uh, specifically now um, for employees only and their family members. So, it's a free benefit for any employee who um, wants to come meet with me for any nutrition or health and wellness related um, concern or question. So it's a really fabulous job to be on the kind of prevention and wellness side of nutrition. And um, I have a passion for cooking and gardening and that's kind of where my um, career path came from is growing up um, with that love and um, understanding that what I ate affected my health and wellness. And, um, so here I am, and that was decided in eighth grade is when I chose my career path. I did a little report, and, and here we are. So um, if you wanted, we just want to go around. Let's start. Um, let's start in the back, and we'll just go around and say your name, um, where you're from, and if you have any um, nutrition questions or things you want me, I'll I'll write down and make sure we. Them. My name is Andrea. I came from northern Vermont. Um, I'm here because I have two adult day centers that I run. Mm -hmm. We plan our menus and our snacks and we have certain guidelines we have to follow. Yeah. So just being able to have different ideas of right. stuff that we can do. Welcome. I'm Judy McClure and I come from West Lebanon. And last fall, after having osteopenia um, for eight years and stable, it all of a sudden went to borderline osteoporosis, so it kind of kicked me in the butt. Mm -hmm. And then I was also under an um, overwhelming amount of stress because something in my personal life. So I sort of uh, got myself going and decided to uh, do whatever I could exercise-wise and diet-wise. Um, I went to a nutritionist who gave me information. I didn't really feel comfortable with the information she gave me, so I went to another nutritionist who gave me the opposite information. <laughs> <laughs> and the more research I do online, the crazier I get. Isn't it confusing? <laughs> I think that's true, though. Nutrition is very confusing, and you hear mixed messages all the time. And, and that's one of the role of a registered dietitian is to help translate the science of nutrition into uh, what does this really mean for me? So I hope to do that for you a little today, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm Connie Horton, and I divide my time between uh, Enfield mm -hmm. and Mesa, Arizona, mm -hmm. where I'm heading back in about 10 days. Um, I have lost um, weight on Weight Watchers, and I am now stuck, and I have mm -hmm. been extremely active this mm -hmm. summer working mm -hmm. out at the CCBA, and 
walking and all sorts of stuff like that, and I'm not moving. And I play tennis mm -hmm. um, five days a week. So um, not here, but back there. And I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. And I am getting conflicting things. My daughter says, oh, you should be on paleo. You don't need to do this. And Weight Watchers doesn't pay any attention to sugar. They pile it on as far as they're concerned. Um, and um, I just, I am totally confused, especially as an active adult. Yeah, great. And welcome. And as you know, we'll touch on you know, weight and nutrition, because we know as we age, that's one of the big concerns is you know, metabolism slows. So we'll definitely be talking about that as we talk about healthy um, nutrition. And we know from a weight standpoint, it's more on the nutrition end than exercise. Exercise is really, really important, but you won't necessarily see the scale go down, right? Because when you're active, you're, you're making muscle. Um, so you might be healthier. Your belt might be, you know, fitting a little notch, you know, or your clothes a little smaller, but the weight may be staying the same. So weight plateaus are normal and we expect them and we really have to work on the nutrition end of things for that. So, yay, welcome. Gene uh, Smith from Lyme, and um, I'm just curious. I love to garden and to cook, so any information is always great. And I'm Marie Hassan, and I'm from Ludlow, Vermont, and I too am extremely active. However, I'm interested in knowing the relationship between lowered metabolism. Mm -hmm and weight loss mm -hmm. because I don't seem uh, and the other thing that uh, I have lost inches um, in height mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. and, yes. and so my ideal weight range and I just can't achieve my ideal weight. <laughs> so please help. Yeah. And really, when, um, when we're thinking about health and wellness, um, the focus shifts away from weight more than it does maybe the, how our society thinks of it. And we really think about health and well-being. And, and are you strong? Are you active? Can you do the things you want to do in life? And, and we know as, as we get older, it's protective, actually, to be a little heavier, not very overweight, um, but to have a little extra is protective because you never know when you get a little bug, right? Or you know, it's or you know, from a fall standpoint, um, it's it's you know that we see better health comes actually. So what we focus on is rather, are you eating well? Are you active? Are you you know feeling fit and strong and healthy? Are you sleeping well? How's your stress level? Those kind of measures are much more important to us in the wellness field than the number on the scale might say, um, even though it can frustrate us immensely. Um, but know that we look at a bigger global picture um, than just that number and achieving the, the ideal weight for height. Um, so, yeah. I have to add that I have a nutrition background as well. Right. So I'm here with another interest mm -hmm. to see what the new trends mm -hmm. are. I haven't yes. practiced in quite a few years. Yes. I mean, we practice every day, but um, I'm, I just was interested to know what the new trends in nutrition are. Right, and we're learning all the time, right? Nutrition science changes, and that's part of why it's confusing, um, but we do learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great.
and I'm Ann Tatro, and I have the same story as most of these people, mm -hmm. and I guess it's time to go with the rubber bands around the waist. <laughs> so today. <laughs> I'm Elaine Compong from White River, and I just retired August 1st, and my weight is going up. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm active and everything, but yeah. I think it's because I'm not so busy. Yeah. And we see pretty clearly weight, when we look at weight histories for folks, that the big life events, often you see changes. So whether it's a marriage, or a divorce, or a child born, or a retirement, or a job change, or a move, a lot of times it's exactly when we see that. So again, you're not alone, um, but we don't, we want to keep it controlled, right? Yeah. 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 I'm Nancy Campbell, and I'm also from White River. I'm quite active, but the scale is not going down. <laughs> the scale's active, too. I'm hearing a common story. <laughs> Welcome. I'm Carol Rugby and from West Lebanon. We just moved here actually two months ago, yeah. my husband Bob and I. And um, I'm here to learn what the latest knowledge is. And also, I, I have impaired glucose tolerance and I'm trying very hard not to become diabetic. Yeah. So I have to watch my carbs and I'm way too thin, but I can't mm -hmm. fatten myself up very mm -hmm. easily. So. Oh, we have tricks for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great. And I'm Bob Rugby, and uh, as Carol said, we just moved here, and basically we're transitioning from uh, work to retirement, mm -hmm. so that's an issue mm -hmm. that uh, you know, concerns me more yeah. at this point. Yeah, hi, go ahead. I'm uh, early retired, not early retired, but I retired before my wife, so I captured the dinner making, and I want to, the worst way to uh, maximize my nutritional statement in that meal, yeah. uh, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing what I should to, to do that, mm -hmm. and this might, might mm -hmm. kick it in. Yeah, I hope so. I'm Lillian Tracy, and I uh, have had uh, quite a few issues, and one being mental health, mm -hmm. which for me is a, a real big issue to keep the depression and anxiety out of my life, and um, don't want to cook, don't trust myself even around the stove, mm -hmm. never mind, you know, mental health issues. and. Uh, I had an operation in uh, uh, 2010, which pretty much put me on a scale of having a hard time of learning how to eat again, mm -hmm. because I digest differently now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just have to try to eat, and if something doesn't go right, doesn't mm -hmm. digest Listen to well, your body. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then <laughs> um, I have trouble keeping weight on, and uh, I'm maintaining right now, but it's difficult um, to think about eating. So I went and started going to senior center. And so the one meal a day helps me to uh, maintain something. Yeah. You know, other than at home, I'm just scattered. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yes. Um, that's the big piece, I think, for me. Yeah. And learning to be, uh, getting to be active again, because I was really active before I had a couple of breakdowns, mm -hmm. and so I'm getting back into the active and those healthy habits. So learning how to get 
everything balanced. And it's inevitable we, we fall off at points. Um, and we might re-fall off. So we call it you know, lapsing and relapsing, as long as we don't collapse. Um, that's what I like to think. So it's okay to lapse, okay to relapse, just keep getting back on, don't collapse. And a lot of times we just, we view a lapse as a collapse and we're like, forget it, you know, I just ate two brownies, I might as well eat the pan, like it's all, you know, no, no, like rein it back in, take a breath, um, yeah. And um, part of the presentation today, will um, we're going to focus on the barriers to you know nourishing ourselves. And one of the big ones is you know thinking about mental health, thinking about you know if we're solo, um, what does that mean? Because you know we can know academically all the perfect you know, nutrition to fuel our body, but what if we don't feel like it? What if we're you know, not motivated or other things get in the way, you know, medicines have side effects or, you know, financial. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about the barriers too because, you know, I find in coaching, many people walk through my door, know the basics, right? We don't eat more fruits and vegetables and I don't need to lecture folks. I need you know, to listen and find out what are the barriers for them in their life and how can we work around that to still meet our goals. That so, is one of my, my barriers yeah. is the, the having to take medications, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. take away appetite and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and that back and forth. So hopefully but we can strategize together um, and come up with some helpful tips that you know, can be a benefit us all. Yeah. Last but not least. Marcia from Enfield, and I take a couple of medications mm -hmm. that put on the weight and then I can't exercise, I have lymphedema, I have open sores. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that I eat a good diet yes. in order for wound healing. Wound healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's an endless battle. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. And you know, from, from listening to everyone, every, you know, we all have different backstories. Um, but thankfully, the nutrition background, we have, the approach is the same. So, you know, I heard paleo and low sugar and low carb and you know there's a gazillion diet approaches out there and the approach I'll present today is just general healthy eating and it applies to everything from wound healing to weight control whether it's you know gaining losing maintaining um, it, this it, it all comes back to that it's, it's not going to be flashy um, anything too new and trendy um, but it's what's tried and true, and we know we just got to keep coming back to it. And um, right, I think I, I think you'll find it's things you know, but let's reaffirm it and figure out how do we make that work on a day-to-day -day basis for us. We'll use a fancy new clicker. I'm not a tech-savvy person, but they set me up with some nice, nice things. Um, so. This quote I liked, um, to eat is a necessity, but to eat intelligently is an art. And we kind of just talked about that, right? We know we have to eat. Food is fuel for our bodies, and we don't live long without um, nutrition. But to eat smart, that can be tough, right? We've said it's confusing, what do we do? Things get in the way. So that's what we're gonna focus our time um, on. And so there's kind of four different sections um, we'll start off by talking about just the general basic nutrition. What do we need as an older adult? Because um, you know, nutrition needs change as we age. So what is different now than um, maybe as a younger adult? Then after we kind of feel like we know that, um, we can, how do we, how do we put it together? Number two, healthy, what does that look like? So a lot of times, you know, some will say, oh, well, you know, calcium and vitamin D and fiber, you know, these very specific components. 
well, how do you put that together into a meal? Um, right, so when you're, when you're making a meal plan, when you're the one cooking, um, you know, what does that look like? And then the third is those challenges, those barriers. So we've already, you know, some have bubbled up. So we'll take a look at them and say, well, what are strategies? So if and when these bubble up, you know, how can we still stay on track, make that healthy plate, meet our nutritional needs? And then um, I also wanted to introduce you to a few nutrition screening tools that you can take. Um, and just to let you know kind of where you're at, if you're, you know, healthy, good, or if you're at risk for any malnutrition, there's several different screening tools. And I think um, hopefully everybody got, there's a, and if not, they're right on the back table, there's a little resource list here with all the different references that I'll um, be mentioning. So they're all available free on the internet. And if you don't have access at home or aren't um, tech savvy, like I don't have internet at my home, um, you, I'd come right here and they'd help me and there's computers. Um, but these all have really nice colorful um, pictures. The nutrition screens are there. So if you wanted to do one of those, you know, self-tests, um, they're on here. There's stuff specifically for weight control for older individuals. There's stuff on dietary supplements. Um, so a lot of different brochures and handouts. So this has a lot of good, solid nutrition um, information. So if you're looking for sources you can trust, um, these are some, some good ones. So um, let's start with just what do we need as an older and adult? And this picture um, kind of captures what many people probably think about when they think of an older adult and nutrition. Um, this gentleman is so, so low in life now. Um, and he's having comfort foods at a diner. Okay, you know, easy to eat, um, soft, sweet, treat. Um, tastes good in the moment, but in long term, as we think about his health and wellness and what his goals are, um, we know that um, his needs, there's no nutrition in what he was taking in um, at that moment. So there's a couple changes happening in um, the older adult. And sarcopenia is one. Is this a word that people have heard before? Okay. No. So penia, I heard, um, you know, in the back we heard osteopenia. Are people familiar with that term? Okay. So osteo is bone. Penia means shrinking. Right. Shrinking. So sarco is muscle. Penia is shrinking. So you can see in these images that you know, one shows the healthy, active, you know, big muscle, and then the next one is less. Um, so, let's see if this has this have a pointer. Oh, it does, but it's small. Uh, nice Spanish over here. So, active muscle. I heard a lot of people say they're active. Um, and then some people are less active now. But as we get less active, you can see the muscle shrinks, right? Because as you say, you don't use it, you lose it. Um, and that's true. And then just in general, as we age, we're losing it. So if you age and, and are not active, you lose it quick. Okay. So the best thing you can do right, is move your body the best you can to keep the best muscle possible. But it's inevitable we're all going to be losing some a little bit. Okay. And you can see the bottom one shows the bone in the middle, so it's like a calf muscle or thigh. Um, you can see as the muscle shrinks, um, there's less to support the bone. Muscle's really important to support the bone.
for fall prevention. So we say being strong and healthy um, is really important for fall. It's and the red is the muscle. Red is the muscle. Yeah, yeah. So what is, why do we care about this, you know, the nutrition? How does that relate? And so my little schematic is saying as we lose muscle and maybe we're less active or just one or the other, we need less calories. Okay? Muscle burns more calories than fat does in our body. Okay? It's more, we call it metabolically active. And some people mention metabolism slowing as we age. This is why we have less muscle. Okay? So we're going to be, we need less calories, bottom line. Okay? However, second bullet, nutrition needs stay the same or go up. We get less calories, however, we need more nutrition. Can that gentleman afford that sweet treat <laughs> with no nutrition in it? Um, not without probably running some risks to become malnourished um, if, if you're not. Because, say, you know, you, we have to develop an eating plan that's really condensed. So I think you mentioned that, saying, I need to get the most I can out of this meal because I get less calories now, but I need a lot of nutrition still. So that's our challenge today, is to think about how do I get the most bang for my buck um, on a plate? So I keep my calories in control so I don't gain weight. Um, or we think about how do we get healthy calories in there if we're looking to maintain or, or gain um, so, and get lots of nutrition. Okay. So very common issue with older adults and younger adults now too. We see you know, overweight obesity is really epidemic. Um, but the first one is saying you're know, becoming overweight. That's a problem of over calories, right? And not enough nutrition. Right? So there's a lot of folks walking around who look overweight but are malnourished. Isn't that an odd thing to think about? Like we, we think about, you know, overseas and really you know skinny starving kids and that's malnutrition but we have a lot of malnourished folks here yeah so that's kind of you know keep that in mind um, doesn't need to be thin to be malnourished a lot of overweight and malnourished and then the other two pictures are other examples so we've got on the bottom that um, the bone the osteoporosis serpenia um, that's another condition saying not enough nutrients in the diet. We think about calcium and vitamin D specifically with bone health. Um, so we say, okay, we got to make sure we get enough nutrition in the calories that we're taking in. And then that top, the red blood cells, so anemia, that would be another, um, you know, disease condition where we're saying we didn't get enough nutrition, whether it's folic acid or iron or B12, there's different kinds of um, anemias. Okay. So all these things um, are because of you know, maybe we're getting enough calories, but not the nutrition in it. So you could prevent osteoporosis from setting in if you had eaten correctly? And exercised. And the, there's always an un uh, factor that we can't control, and that is family history, <laughs> right? <laughs> Love our genetics. Um, but there, you know, when I'm coaching, um, say we do the best possible we can with lifestyle eating well, exercising, sleep, stress control, not smoking. You can feel good about that, but we can't control aging, we can't control genetics. 
right? And some things are inevitable. Even if you are perfect, you still might be destined for something out of your control. But at least you can have peace of mind that you did your best. And I say that to folks with medication as well. So, you know, the glucose intolerance, um, leading, you know, preventing diabetes. And you say, hmm, okay, well, you know, if you do the best you can with lifestyle, even if it progressed and you need some medicine, at least you know you're on the smallest dose possible, right, of medicine if you're doing your best with lifestyle. Otherwise, if you were like, who cares, whatever, you might, you'd need a much, much bigger dose. So this is a little hard to see, but um, I just wanted to um, think about nutrition labels. Do people here read labels or are familiar with them? Um, so these come from milk containers. There's whole milk and skim milk showed here. And um, what I wanted to highlight was this idea of nutrient dense. So same food group, um, but the whole milk has 150 calories. The skim milk has 80. And we just said, we're getting older, we need less calories, but the same nutrients. So less calories, that's good. Nutrients, um, the fat, okay, fat, calories, we don't need those from, so eight to zero, that's a good thing. But the green highlighted protein, okay, we need that. Eight grams, eight grams, that stayed the same. Calcium. 30%, 30%, that stayed the same. Vitamin D, 25, 25. So all the nutrients we want have stayed exactly the same. We haven't lost any of them. But all the things we want less of, the unhealthy fat and calories have gone down. Okay, so this is a perfect example of when you're shopping, when you're making choices and how to say, how do I get you know, more nutrients with less calories? This is the kind of thing, switching from 2% to 1% is a way to do that. And we know if you can save 100 calories a day over the year, how many pounds do you think you'll lose? 10. Okay, so that's... What if you're lactose intolerant? Yeah, oh, lots of options, right? Okay. Yeah, lots of options. So, you know, soy and almond and you name it. There's all kinds of different non-dairy milks. Lactate, um, which is cow, but they've added an enzyme. So, yeah, um, this is purely just um, an example of a label. It could be any food. And actually, here's some other examples. So, again, tiny print I just wanted to um, kind of read to you and show you. So, it's showing how you can save calories. So, the first one is ground beef. And it's saying if you've got... 75% lean versus 90%. So you save 52 calories if you switch from 75 to 90. Still the same protein, same everything, you're just cutting fat calories. You know, breaded fried chicken versus baked chicken, you're gonna save 108 calories. If you choose the frosted flakes versus the corn flakes, 57 calories. So we're talking about little changes. Um, that add up. Um, so we say, you know, little bites here, little bites there, little changes easily adds up to a hundred, if not multiple hundred, through the day. Um, and you know, sweetened versus unsweetened applesauce, 68 calories there. So does that make sense? That idea makes sense. You say, look to maximize your nutrition with the minimal calories required to go along with it sweetener in that applesauce? Um, you could put an artificial one yeah. if you didn't mind yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. And cinnamon. Yeah. 
Yes, cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon goes well with applesauce. Tis the season, right? Um, so this is a resource that um, I put on your, your resource list. There's a, um, every five years, there's published um, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. And the last one was issued in 2010. So the committee is right now looking at the 2015 guidelines, which will probably come out in 2016. So we still got a couple years. So this is the current one. And they've divided it into different chapters. And one of the chapters is foods to decrease. And this is, um, this is applicable for us. So as you look at this picture, are there, like what, what pops out at you? What kind of things are you seeing for Cookies. decreasing? Yeah. Sweets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fatty things, sweet things. Fried. Fried foods. Salt. Beverage. Yeah, beverage. Yeah, sugar sweetened beverages. Uh -huh. So these are foods that don't provide our body much any nutrition, right? Those things that our body needs, but they're providing a lot of calories. And the calories that we want to decrease are coming from these food groups specifically that they found <laughs> most Americans are overeating these areas. And with fat, there are different types of fat. Um, they're specifically saying the unhealthy kinds of fat. And the quick way I remember is saturated is animal. Okay. So animal fats, we want to be cautious how much animal fat we have. And so where does animal fat come from? In your diet. Yeah. Bacon? Yeah. Red meats? Red mm -hmm. meat. Yeah. Red meats. Mm -hmm. Skin on poultry. Um, and dairy. Dairy is a big one. We often forget about, um, but that's one of the big ones in America. That we eat a lot of cheese, and creams, and butters, and ice creams, and um, so things like that. So when we think about saturated fat, that's what I think about: is red meat, skin on poultry, and dairy, full-fat dairy products to have less of. The second one, trans fat. Is that a familiar one? And the guidelines for that are zero. So we're allowed, we have a little budget to have some saturated fat in our diet, um, but the budget for trans is zero because we've realized um, that it's so unhealthy for the heart. You know, it does really bad things for our cholesterol. So the government is actually um, banning it. And so it's being phased out of the food system. And you will find saturated and trans on food labels. So if you look, you want to say trans fat free or trans should be zero on what you're looking for. And most things um, are nowadays. But really, the places you'd find this would be the packaged things, things that sit on the store shelf a long time and don't go bad, right? Packaged cookies and crackers and, um, and deep fried foods, too. Excuse me, is trans fat the solid? Like Crisco. Um, Crisco, and they've changed how they make Crisco, but Tris Crisco used to be you know, that solid fat, right? It doesn't go bad. It can sit on your shelf a long time, and they developed it during the, one of the world wars um, as this alternative to butter. So when we were rationing butter, the, the chemists came up with this miracle of trans fat, and they put it in everything. And then over time, we realized just how horrible that was for our health. And so now they're taking it out of everything. Um, so again, talk about the evolution of nutrition and uh, where we come, but um, yeah. So then this, the second food um, 
component to decrease the sugar. And, and specifically under that is added sugar. Okay, so just like fats, there's, there's healthy fats and unhealthy fats. With sugars, there's natural sugars and added sugars. So where would natural sugars come from? Fruits. Fruit, right? Fruit has that sweet fructose is the natural fruit sugar. Lactose, okay, milk sugar. Okay, so naturally in dairy products, there's a little sugar. Um, and glucose from like, you know, carbohydrates. Uh, carbohydrates have some. Yes. How does the um, natural sugars uh, work with your insulin and if mm -hmm. you are borderline mm -hmm. um, diabetic yeah. too? Yeah. How does the sugar react in your system? Yeah. So, um, very good question. Um, so with added sugars, they're very simple, right? So if you think about table sugar or um, you know, even things um, like, you know, honey or molasses or syrups or, you know, any of these things that we add to make things sweeter, um, they get broken down very quickly in the body. There doesn't take much chewing um, or mushing around in the belly, so they hit the blood sugar pretty quickly, and which spikes your insulin. And insulin is the key that unlocks the door and lets the sugar leave the blood and brings it to the muscle to give your muscles energy. So we absolutely have to have sugar in our diet, but we want it to come not from added, we want it to come from the fruit, the dairy, the whole grains, right? Think about whole grains. You have to chew, your stomach has to chew, there's fiber that comes along with the sugar and slows everything down. That's why you stay fuller longer. If you eat a whole grain something versus the white refined, you're going to stay fuller. So your blood sugars are going to be much more stable. You're not going to get that spike. It's going to be a gentle release. Is that the same if you're eating yogurt? Because that's very high in sugar, mm -hmm. but that's a lactose, you're saying. Yes. So yogurt. You ever see you the yogurt aisle in the hard. grocery store? and it's Yeah. It's huge, there's so many to choose from. So it really comes down to looking at labels. Yogurt's a perfect example of a food group that has both, can have natural sugars and added sugars. And it's very tricky right now to tell the difference. Um, how I do it is I take a plain yogurt, right, and I look at the nutrition label and I see, okay, this plain yogurt has eight grams of sugar. And this fruited one, has 16. So I know they've added 8 grams, 8 plus the 8 natural. So half of it's natural and half of it's added. You have to be a little bit of a detective right now in the yogurt aisle. Um, the label, the government, FDA, is changing labels. They're thinking about a newer label that's going to be more helpful for folks. And they, they want to put on added sugar specifically, just like they put trans fat and saturated fat. So hopefully we'll see that. Um, it'll take some years. Uh, these processes take a long time, but that's what they propose to do because right now it's very, very hard for folks to tell, you know, is it added or is it natural? So is the eight grams of sugar in mm -hmm. the yogurt, okay. is that triggering insulin or not? It will, yep, but that's okay. Because it's not like a heavy fiber or something. Right, right. but it's okay from that natural source because think with yogurt, um, there's protein that comes with milk, right? right? So that glass of milk we saw had eight grams of protein and that would be true for yogurt too. So there's protein. Protein does not raise blood sugars. 
So anytime I'm thinking about making a healthy snack or a meal, I want protein and carbohydrate together. Something to raise my blood sugar, give my body energy, but also a protein or a healthy fat, two things that don't raise blood sugar, to keep me from crashing again and getting tired and hungry and it makes you stay fuller longer. So I'm always looking for a combination of, and we'll see that when we get to the healthy meals, is there's something a carbohydrate to get, give us some blood sugar, and it's a good carbohydrate, but we also want a protein and a healthy fat and lots of color fruits and vegetables. So, um, yes. And fiber too, right? Yes, yes, and that's one we'll, we'll come on this slide. Um, so then the next chapter in these, the dietary guidelines focus on foods that we want to have more of. Um, and so fiber is going to be one on the list. Are there others that you think are going to pop up on, that we should have more of? Or by looking at this picture? Fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. Yeah. It looks like cheese. Where? I don't know what that yeah. bottom one is. Oh, tuna fish. Tuna oh, fish. Yeah, so healthy proteins. Yeah. Fluids, fiber, protein, and then some nutrients. Vitamin B12, calcium, and D are so things specifically. Can you take that just as a pill? Yeah, um, you can. We always prefer food first. Okay. Our body knows how to use food. Um, best. When we pill things and supplement things, you don't get all of it. Some of it you get and some of it you pee out. So we always say if you can try to get as much as you can through food and then whatever you can't, then take a supplement but to get the rest. You, you know, you need to take a full vitamin, vitamin mm -hmm. D, mm -hmm. vitamin C, calcium, and omega. Omega-3. Yeah, uh -huh. they, they say you're supposed to take all that. Yeah. Not necessarily. Every body is different. And, and supplements, we think nutrition is confusing. Supplements are. Um, and there's a handout on the back there I saw that they put um, specifically on dietary supplements for older oh, okay. folks. So definitely grab that. Um, but it's, um, it's not necessarily true. Everyone doesn't need supplements. Um, we say again, if you're eating a healthy diet, um, it's only, and, and supplements should be on your medicine list. And I have a slide a little later. Um, specific on supplements, so we'll get back to that because it is really important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, but I take a B12 mm -hmm. every morning, mm -hmm. but and I so I looked here and it said instead choose foods like fortified cereals. Well, uh -huh. a cereal never passes my mouth. Um, so where do you get mm -hmm. B12 yeah. from if not from a supplement? Yeah. Yep. And I have a slide on it. Okay. We'll get great. there. Yeah. Great. Um, so, e so each of these, I'm going to do a, a little, um, little slide on each one of those. So again, saying where do we get it um, and how much do we need. So with fluids, we think about, well, why is fluid important? Um, and, and what's the number one reason for elder admissions in hospitals? Dehydration. 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 So really important. Um, so prevention of dehydration and also really good bowel health. Um, so as, as we drink, it keeps things moving through us. As we age, one reason we're at risk is because we have a decreased thirst mechanism. Um, so we don't feel thirsty as easily as we did when we were younger. Um, bathroom issues, mobility issues, you know, say we don't want to be running around. 
um, so that we might subconsciously or consciously limit, constrict our what we drink. Um, how much do we need? In general, it's an ounce per kilo. So again, you can write that down if you want and go home and calculate um, for you, but um, that's in general how we estimate it. Um, another quick way is just looking and seeing, does my pee look pretty clear? You don't want it concentrated really dark. Um, you want it to be on the, on the lighter side. Um, so anything, any fluid counts. Okay, coffee and tea count. We, there's a myth out there that they're, you know, um, dehydrating, right? Because they make you go, no, the caffeine, it counts as fluid. So what we don't That's want, so yeah. yeah, right, um, but really you get the fluid out of it. Um, what we don't want is there to be calories in what you drink, because we already talked about we, don't, we can't afford extra calories. So don't drink sugary things, juices, sweetened teas, sweetened sodas, um, those kind of things. So diet or plain? Mm -hmm. Red wine. My husband insists yeah. that red wine is a good it's source hydrating. of hydrating. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it is, right? It's it is. For you. Um, and that's part of, you know, the, the recommendations are, you know, a drink for women, two for men is within a considered healthy diet. If you already drink, if you don't drink, don't start. Um, <laughs> those are the guidelines just for, for health benefit. Um, but yes, it's a liquid, right? Things even like Jello. Think about you know you make it if you ever made Jello, it's liquid, right? And then you let it set. Um, that counts as a fluid. Ice cream technically you know counts as a fluid. Again, that has comes with calories. Um, but we think anything liquid is going to be hydrating. Fiber. So again, this you know helps certainly with bowel health and mobility. Cholesterol. You ever hear about like eat your Cheerios, eat your oatmeal for cholesterol um, because they have a specific fiber in there that helps to bind to cholesterol and get it out of you. Um, blood sugar, we already mentioned that you know choosing foods with fiber, uh, whole grains versus the white are going to slow blood sugar down, so that's good. And from a weight management standpoint, Fiber stays longer in our belly. We so said you chew, your stomach chews, it sits longer, you're going to be fuller longer. So it has many benefits for fiber. And the, the goals are for um, older men, 30 grams a day, and for women, 21 grams. And this is a little lower. So for a younger adult, men would need 35, women 25. So you, your needs go down a little bit um, with this. But this is still hard for a lot of folks. Most of people don't get this much. So you're saying we should be reading the back of a package and figuring out how many grams we get in a serving of something and you then can. not go above 21? You can, yep. Um, if you, if you want to do you know, numbers and label reading, um, um, the, I like to think more holistic and say if we can just design a diet that is just going to get you there without counting and weighing, measuring, that's what I prefer. So you don't have to be calculating Okay, how many milligrams of calcium and D into the, you know, because that gets overwhelming, I think. But if we look at what does a healthy, balanced plate look like, and if you eat, well, where does fiber come from? What plant? What, what, oops, I just gave it away. <laughs> what foods does fiber come from? No one heard my slip? Plant, plant, plants. Plants. <laughs> plants. Fiber comes from plants. So we think about fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts seeds, 
Okay, so grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, they're all plants. So if you eat plenty of plants, you're gonna get plenty of fiber. You won't have to worry about counting, weighing, measuring. Okay, so um, you'll, I'll, I'll be a broken record through this and saying, how do we get these nutrients? We need plants, 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 plants. It comes to having a lot of colorful plants on your plate because these also don't have a lot of calories. So they have a lot of the nutrients that we need without a lot of the calories, and that's how we get the good diet for an older adult. So you've got a reduction you know, for younger people. <coughs> Can you have too much fiber? You could in the sense that you would have a bellyache. It probably wouldn't be comfortable. If you overate fiber, um, it might be really rough to digest a lot. And when we talk about um, moving to a higher fiber diet, we say do it gradually. Um, so we say, you know, if you're used to eating 10 grams a day, we say don't go from 10 to 30. Say, you know, say 10 and you'll add a little bit slowly and drink a little extra fluid, right? Because fluid helps things move through, helps. Um, so those are the recommendations with fiber. You know, gradually increase wherever you are to try to get towards a goal. Um, and, and up your fluid as you're upping your fiber. Yeah, and that will help your GI system be happier. Some folks will be like, I just start eating more fiber and it's not agreeing with me. And it's like, well, maybe it was a little too much too quick. Yeah. Um, protein. So when we think about why our bodies um, need protein, it's, you know, for, for bone, for muscle, it's really the building blocks, um, skin, bone, enzymes, hormones, vitamins, like we need protein for everything. It is really the building block of life. And with an older adult, the needs you stay exactly the same or go up a little bit. Um, so 0.8 to one gram per kilo. So again, they estimate this in the metric system is what uh, most older adults need. Again, your calories have gone down, but your protein needs haven't. Can you speak to the, a little bit to the, the new um, paleo mm -hmm. diet sure. thing that's happening? My daughter is into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I heard that um, elsewhere. Yeah. So um, paleo, is that a diet term people have heard? It's hunter-gatherer. Um, hunter-gatherer, right. It's a concept of going back to eating the way our ancestors did. Cavemen, hunter-gatherer, this <coughs> idea that we subsisted mostly on meat, um, right? And, um, and really, there is no science to support that theory. It's a theory. Um, and when we really think about, so if we take put on our archaeology or history hats and go back. Think, well, hunter-gatherers, and there's a really nice article in um, National Geographic, one of the latest issues of National Geographic about these diets, is saying, you know, you may hunt, but it's hard to hunt, right? So you might have meat once a week, really. You were eating meat every day. You were really alive because of the gathering, and you were eating mostly plants, and when you ate meat, you might have had, you know, a feast of meat, but it wasn't the idea of now the modern paleo diet is meat at every meal or you know protein food protein heavy and it's really not um, accurate to how um, our hunter gatherer ancestors did it and we know from a health standpoint our bodies we have evolved 
a lot since then, uh, right? We domesticated agriculture, our teeth have changed, our digestive systems have changed. We are amazing creatures and we adapt to how, what we have. And since we started farming and um, our bodies have changed since then. So there is no science to support the paleo. Um, you know, the general idea of eating less processed foods is a good idea. So I think anytime there's fad diets, it's saying, okay, there's components you can pull out that are accurate and true, and then there's others that take it a little too far. Uh, but the idea of eating less packaged, processed stuff, that's good, right? You know, fruits and vegetables and whole foods. Um, but paleo doesn't allow you to eat beans, which in my world, aren't those healthy, right? Like they're plants. <laughs> they have fiber, they have healthy protein, they don't have fat. Um, really, really important. So that gives me a red flag and saying, hmm, something about this diet, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, I know beans are really healthy and I know, you know, fruits are okay and I know, so anytime a diet cuts out food groups, little red flag should go up or has a good food list and bad food list. Um, but why haven't <coughs> we stopped the fast food chains? That's what we've yeah. become and that's yes. why we're fat. Yeah. You know, right. and so remember that new, new, new nutritionalists say, hey, wait, yeah. and if you oh. changed mm -hmm. and had healthy food there, we mm -hmm. wouldn't be the right. way we are now. Right, so if we go back to that um, chapter three slide, foods to decrease that fat, sugar, salt, right? Our fast food industry, our packaged processed food industry, that's exactly what it is, right? Fat, right. sugar, salt. It's terrible. And what they're very smart. So food very chemists smart. are very smart, and we know that our brain responds to those, okay? We have grooves and chemicals that release in the brain. They feel good, they release endorphins. So a real thing happens in our bodies, in our brains, when we eat fat, sugar, salt. And part of it was, you know, when we do go back to history, those foods were scarce for our ancestors, right? So when they got them, like, that was a real treat. Um, but now it's everywhere. It's not a once in a while, um, you can get it anytime, anywhere. So you have to have a lot of discipline to override that um, endorphin chemical um, craving for those foods. So we talk you know, in the nutrition field a lot about food policy. So how do we you know, make it to change that? But then on a personal level saying, how do you control your own food environment? because we can't control them, they're out of control. Yeah. <laughs> but saying, don't bring those foods into your house, um, right? Because then you're just setting yourself up. Um, so right, change your own environment, control what you can control. Um, and then once in a while, it is okay, right? You know, special occasions and you know, in a controlled amount. That's all we have for a choice yeah, to go right. to. Right, and that's why a lot of this will focus on eating at home, mm -hmm. you know, getting back into the kitchen um, because you can control in your little domain um, and you're not at the mercy of the food environment around you. I pack my lunch every day. Um, it takes time because to I know, that, right? that's why. Right, and it has to be something that you're pretty passionate about. In order to invest the time and energy to, you know, every night cook a meal for my family and then pack lunches that evening for all of us the next day, I have to really care about it. Because mm -hmm. if I like, ah, eh, kind of that would be nice, it wouldn't happen, right? When you're tired and um, you have to really want it. And that goes for any lifestyle change mm -hmm. you're thinking about. Um, I think you, you, the motivation 
has to be pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, because we can know it, but we got to really want it. Yes. Forgive me for taking a moment, but I cannot help but how often I thought of how lucky I was that I was born of an immigrant family. That's the first part. Mm. Mom says, don't eat out, don't eat out. Yeah. And we only had one or two places to eat out as it was. Yeah. But the point is that I, I worked for the family, mm -hmm. eh? Mm -hmm. So I didn't dare ask mom and dad, give me some money <laughs> because I, I got everything I needed. Uh -huh. So let's start again. When I remembered McDonald coming out with a triple burger with a luscious sauce, when I had one of those, I thought I was in heaven. But I couldn't afford that because I didn't have the money coming mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. I worked for my father. I worked. Mm -hmm. You said something there. Mm -hmm. So I, la I will close because I, you, you have more to say than I do. But the point of the story goes that uh, I, I ate at home and I was so You're happy better that off I did. because of it. You said something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Prepare yeah. your own meals. Yeah. And it must yeah. not be, I, I, because I am an immigrant, I'm cheap, by mm -hmm. expression. <laughs> I don't buy prepared mm -hmm. uh, pull-offs. Mm -hmm. I, I, I went to visit my daughter-in-law. Gee, that was great. Gee, it had color and everything. I make my own pull-off, and gee, you look at mm -hmm. it and say, oh, come on. And we, Amen. we think about, that, no, that's that great. Um, when we think about Western diet, uh, right, the American diet, we see really bad health outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at immigrant diet, more what we call traditional diets, better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like the Mediterranean diet, we hear that quite a bit. That dietary approach, it's not a diet, it's a, it's a healthy lifestyle of mm -hmm. eating. Um, is healthy and we see good health outcomes. So that's what we want to look at is saying, hmm, what are we doing that's not working? And how can we learn from more of these ancient traditional diets? And Mediterranean is one that there is a lot of strong science there to support the health. And it's colorful and it's plant-based. And um, so thank you for that story. Well, thank you. Um, I just Googled what a kilogram is yes. as opposed to ounces because I think this is sort of unfair yep. to us. Yep. Yep. I'm sitting there going, I have 2. no idea. 2.2? It's um, 35.273 ounces, which mm -hmm. is a little bit more than 2 pounds. Okay, so, right, 2.2 2 pounds is so, the conversion. Okay, mm -hmm. so, well, so in other words, what I'm getting at is yep. if you're 100 and, let's say you weigh 150 pounds, yep. then you should be eating... But, I can't do the point eight, but let's say yep. no more than 75 grams correct. of protein. That's a day. correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. And for most folks, how um, much is a breast of chicken or a four ounce? So, palm of your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Or a deck of cards, if you want to visualize that, three ounces. Yeah, yeah. Right? Is 8, 16, 20, 24? 8, 16, 24. Um, so, 24 grams. In, the in a three-ounce three serving. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. And in general, um, and one of the resources, the second one down on your list that I gave you, the My Plate, has really nice. Um, they have meal plans in there, and you can put in your just your age, your height, your weight, your activity level, and it'll tell you like how many calories a day, how many ounces of protein should be, how many cups of fruits and vegetables. So if you want to get a customized plan for you without crunching numbers, um, that will do it for you. And in there, they have each of the food groups, and you can click on protein, and it'll say, what counts as an ounce? 
Um, and so it'll, it'll give you measurements and tell you what counts. So that's a really nice user-friendly website. My plate. Yeah, my plate. Mm -hmm. um, so B12, so this is one that um, several people have mentioned. Again, very helpful for you know, red blood cells, for nerves. And in, as we age, we don't absorb this as well. So in your stomach, acid levels change as we get older. They're less effective. So even if you are eating enough B12, you might not be able to absorb it. Okay? And this is something in your doctor's office they would determine. Okay, so this isn't universal for everyone. It's something, you know, if you went in and had lab work and they like, hmm, you might, you have some anemia, um, they might, you know, say, well, is it because you don't have enough iron or folic acid or B12? And if it's because of the B12, um, some folks need to get shots, right? Because it doesn't matter how much they eat anymore because their stomach acid's not working well. And so there's B12 shots or there's sublingual you put under the tongue and it melts. Um, so there's... This is something, again, you'd have a conversation with your doctor. They would bring up at an annual exam um, that say, hmm, your blood work's a little bit off, and let's look at this together. Um, in general, we just say, as an older adult, um, if you don't have you know, anemia that's been diagnosed, just try to get enough in the diet. Um, fish, shellfish, meat, dairy, and the fortified food. So, um, Someone was asking about the cereal. So most cereals have are basically multivitamins in a box. They have put everything in cereal nowadays, um, and um, and we fortify a lot of bread products in general too. So crackers or breads. When I've been in New York, they always give me large doses of vitamin D. Mm -hmm. hmm. Curious. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Mega doses of yeah. vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Not vitamin D. Yeah. Yep. So calcium, um, again, we think about bone health, right? preventing osteopenia porosis. And the reason as we age, this is a nutrient of concern, is because we take in maybe less than we used to. Lactose intolerance can develop as we age, so you might not be able to, you might get you know, gassy or bloated or just might not settle as well. Um, your bodies have an enzyme called lactase, which breaks down lactose, and maybe that's not working as well as it used to. So dairy might not agree with you as much. Um, and also the decreased absorption, so that goes to that lactase. So again, we, our bodies don't digest it quite as well as maybe we used to. The goal is 1,200 milligrams a day. Um, for men under 70, you're still 1,000. Um, but that's two to three, more like three calcium-rich servings a day. So whether it's three cups of milk or one cup of milk, one serving of cheese, one serving of yogurt, but three food groups, three dairy food groups a day would meet your calcium needs. And again, it could be soy-based, doesn't have to be milk-based, but soy that's been fortified. There's juices that are fortified, um, leafy greens can have some calcium in there. So again, the goal is to think about, okay, you know, can I try to get, you know, towards three servings a day? If not, then take a calcium chew or pill, one for every source you're shy. 
So I say, oh, you know, really, I only get one yogurt in a day, and I don't drink milk, and I don't have any other sources, so that means you're getting one out of the three. So for the other two, you should take two calcium. And you don't take them all at once. Exactly. That's <laughs> your right. body just. That's right. So with calcium, um, you absorb five to six hundred milligrams at one time. So if you would take twelve hundred all at once, no good. The waste. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can get maybe five to six hundred out of it. So you do have to divide calcium doses through the day for best absorption. Yeah. And then vitamin D. It's kind of the the partner with calcium and we need it to absorb the calcium. So you could get all the calcium your body needs, but if you don't have enough vitamin D, you're not gonna be able to pull it into the bone where it wants to go. And for us who don't snowbird to the south or just <laughs> moved north, um, our sunshine gets kind of wimpy now through when? When does the sun get strong? July? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, we go a while. Um, but the sunshine, this is a sunshine vitamin, um, so we get most of it from the sun. There's very few food sources. Um, the ones that do have it are fortified milk, so we've added it to milk, we've added it to cereal, we've added it to yogurt. It doesn't come naturally really there. Um, some fishes have some, um, some, some of them, but most of us probably could use a uh, supplement in the winter months. Or if you're very protective, cautious in the sun in the summer, like if you wear hats and long sleeves and sunscreen, you might even need some um, in the summer. But again, this would be a conversation with your doctor to say, hmm, you know, can we check my vitamin D level? Do you think I should be taking uh, vitamin D? And for some folks, if they are deficient, you have to take a bunch of D to bring it up. Um, taking, you know, just that as they say, for over 7,800 I use a day. If you're deficient, that's not going to correct the deficiency. Um, but if you're already okay and you want to maintain your level, then it's 800 to 1,000 um, international units on a daily basis. If you have um, sad, you know, going mm -hmm. under the light, mm -hmm. does that make a difference? I don't know that. Um, so the, the question is those lights um, you can <coughs> use in the wintertime for um, seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Does that have vitamin D? And I don't know yeah, that the answer yeah, if it does, it does give you vitamin D or not. I don't know. I don't know if artificial light can. Yeah, but that would be a good research yeah. question. Um, so now I want to switch from, so we were talking about very specific nutrients that we need to pay attention to now that we're older. Now we want to look at, well, what does that look like, putting it all together? And so the next chapter in the dietary guidelines are building a healthy eating pattern. So again, we're not talking about diets. We're talking about healthy eating. And what do you see on these pictures? Fish and grains. Yeah, I see whole grains, lean proteins, beans, color. Yeah. And it looks good, right? This is real food. It's not packaged. It's not processed. Um, it looks beautiful. So this is that my plate that we mentioned that you can go and get a custom meal plan um, there for free. This is the, the picture that took place of that pyramid. Everyone remember the old yeah, food pyramid yeah. on the cereal boxes? The pyramid has gone away, thankfully. This is the new picture and it's so much more helpful because it looks like your plate. And it's saying how do we 
fill our plate to get all the nutrients without as you know too many calories. And what do you see? Vegetables is large. A lot of veggies. Yeah. I still see they have grains. Uh huh. Heavily. They're yeah. too heavy. Yeah. I think they're too heavy in grains still. So a quarter of the plate is grains. And the um, if you go to the level of detail, it'll say half of the time, at least half of the time, it should be a whole grain. Because again, we know whole grains are healthier. Um, so I say three quarters, grains, fruits, and vegetables, those are all plant. So it's a very heavy plant plate. And protein could be plant, right? If you had beans, is that, or nuts, or seeds, or tofu, or, you know, it could be 100% plant. Um, but it is heavy plants, very colorful, half of it, fruit, vegetables, very colorful. Okay. And when we go back to thinking about carbohydrates, right, so grains are carbohydrates, fruit has some carbohydrates, dairy has some carbohydrates, which might seem like a lot. Um, we hear Lao a lot about low carbohydrate diets. And again, the focus is on healthy carbohydrates. So remember, what your muscles use for energy is glucose. The only fuel your brain uses, glucose. Our, our human brains are big, <laughs> they take a lot of energy. So um, you know, if you want a, a brain that's functioning well, muscles, energy, we have to have carbohydrates. A controlled carbohydrate, so a diabetic, we don't have diabetic diets, but if you want to call it that, right? So someone who's watching their carbohydrates, if I was doing a custom meal plan for them, I would restrict them to 50% of their calories from carbohydrate. 50%, okay? It's not a low carb diet, right? But Because we have to have it, it's our major fuel source. So I want it to be coming from healthy, grains and dairy and fruit um, and someone who's not diabetic you know 60% carbohydrates so it should be the most of what you're eating it doesn't concern me all, at all how big the grains are um, on here as long as it's not say it's not two cups of white pasta like saying it's maybe you know three-quarters cup of a whole grain that your body's going to process differently. So it's all about the choice. Could it be a whole grain pasta? What size plate is that? Is that a, yeah. is that a, a good question? <laughs> good question, because plate size matters. <laughs> plate size matters. Um, from a portion control, so if you're concerned about portion control, right, calories. So a 10-inch plate is considered, that would be, um, a decent size, not 12 inch, like a lot of plates are 12 inch, but so 10 inch plate, um, we do better. And some people always say, you know, eight inch plate, you know, a little bit, and then if you're still hungry after 20 minutes, then it's appropriate to go back and get more as long as it still looks balanced like that. Hmm? No matter what size of plate. No matter what size plate, if you follow this proportion, so if the plate gets bigger, you gotta go more veggies on there. Uh, so this, that's what's nice about this plate is it's always going to keep the proportion okay, which is going to self-limit you in the calories too. Yeah. Um, when you go into the supermarkets now, the, mm -hmm. the whole wheat pasta or the yes. whole, 
or brown rice or whatever. Uh -huh. How do you know that it really is whole wheat? I mean, I know they have yeah. spinach and they have... Uh, yes, great question. Artichoke, yep. whatever. Look for the word whole. So there's a well, I lot. I it says that, but yep. when you get into the ingredients, yep. then as long as like the first, so ingredients um, on a food package have to be listed most to least. Yes. So the first ingredient should be whole. So if whole is like the sixth ingredient down, nah. You know, you want it to be one or two, certainly in the top three. But like on something that's a grain, like. A rice or a pasta, you want whole first. Um, and same with breads, I don't care if it says multigrain, 10 grain, doesn't mean anything to me. It's got to say whole. It could be multigrain, but white refined wheat, white refined barley, white refined. So it's got to say the word whole, and it's got to be right up there on the top of the ingredient list. And it doesn't make any difference if it says 100%. 100% is the best. Oh, okay. Right? Because then you know there's no refined. If it says 100% okay. whole wheat Thomas English muffin, that's what I'm picking. Not okay. doing the 10 grain one or the you know, extra high fiber one. Um, I'm going to pick the one that's 100% whole. Yeah, right. And it doesn't matter if it's bread, English muffin, bagel, tortilla, cracker, you know, anything that's a grain base, that's your mm -hmm. best choice. Yeah, I was wondering this diet has. Um, is that a, have they shown that um, with Alzheimer's, has diet, is diet have anything to do with that? Mm. So um, with Alzheimer's, you know, is there a link with nutrition and Alzheimer's? And I'm not familiar with the research. So I'm sure there has been some done, um, but I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, just saying how much glucose the brain. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we find people who go on very, very low carb or restrictive diets, you get a little moody, a little grumpy, <laughs> um, because you know, again, you want, you need energy for your for your brain. Um, the plate here, same picture of the plate, but um, Tufts, who um, they have a special aging center down at Tufts, they've modified the plate to add some of those words we've already heard. So at the bottom, they said, make sure you're choosing fiber-rich things. Make sure you're getting plenty of fluids without calories. Make sure you're getting enough vitamin D and B12 you know, from supplements if you need it. And then they show being active. And um, so this just gives some messages specifically for the older adult. And again, this resource is on your list if you want to look at it um, a little closer. And they had a backside to that. So again, more of those detailed messages um, for the older adult. And again, here, so again, um, the plate for the older adult, and they're just showing pictures of easy to prepare things. So again, we think about the older adult. Tufts is thinking about, okay, you know, opening cans can be hard, or what's you know what can chewing can be hard. So let's have you know softer choices, or finances might be tight. We could be on a fixed income. So you know, peanut butter is really inexpensive and a high you know protein food, and so are beans and. Um, you know, so are eggs. So they're putting on there some foods they've thought about that might be more suitable for an older adult. Things that, you know, frozen fruits and vegetables that are already cut up and you just have to boil or steam. So to make it a little bit easier, fortified cereals that might already have some of those extra vitamins in there. 
Uh, this is from the American Institute for Cancer Research. And again, I put on there, um, and they have a couple, they have a lot of brochures available. And this is one from uh, their new American plate. So again, we talked about the American Western diet doesn't work um, from a health standpoint. So they're helping people shift to more of this plant-based diet, better proportions on the plate. So I put on the list um, this one. They have a cooking solo, um, how to eat healthy for one brochure, nutrition after 50. So again, you can order, I think, up to six brochures free through them. Um, so that's kind of a nice. And I don't know, maybe that dietary supplement um, handout in the back might be from, no, that's from the Institute on Aging. But you can see, like, you know, nutrition tips after 50, more food, fewer calories. So that's one, you know, our message. They've got a lot of different ones. The cooking solo. So you might want to go and request some brochures through through them. Um, so supplements are coming back around. Again, my take as a dietitian is always food first. So let's try to say, okay, I currently eat one yogurt. Um, is there a way I can get a second serving of calcium in through food? And then maybe the third one I'll take, you know, a supplement. But is there a way first we can think about diet and making dietary changes and then supplement? Because um, supplements are supposed to be supplemental to your diet, okay? They're not quick fixes. Um, we don't digest and absorb them the same way that we do food. So um, supplements are not regulated. So, you know, the drug company drugs are very heavily regulated, right? They have to pass safety infection, you know, inspections and um, very controlled substances. Supplements, no one's looking over how they're making it or what they put in, what they say is on the labels actually in there. There is no regulation of the supplement industry, which is a little bit saying, hmm, you know, people spend a lot of money on supplements. Like doctors promote them. Right, right, and to not really know if what's in there is in there or if what's in there is really working in my body. So this is something um, we don't use lightly in the nutrition world. We say, you know, there's certain ones like, you know, B12 and calcium and vitamin D. And, um, but even multivitamins, the research now is, um, you know what, really for most people, not helpful. The people who are more likely to take them are the people eating healthy diets. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Who don't actually need them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of funny. We take them for insurance. Um, but really, probably a lot of it, we're peeing out. Again, no harm. So financially, if you can afford it, there's probably no harm in taking a multivitamin that has no more than 100% of daily needs. Um, but is there, ha is there benefit? That's the big question. And like that, if you yeah. look at the multivitamin, mm -hmm. it has the D in it, yeah. the amount that you need. Yeah. So why do you have right. to have you know, to right, right, right. All so, this extra, you know, you have to really. Yeah, you, you have homework. to be very savvy yeah. if you're going to be a, um, you know, shopping for dietary supplements because they're expensive. Too. They are expensive. Um, so I just want you to know, um, you know, kind of about that industry, and it should always be a conversation with your doctor because there are nutrient and drug interactions. Right. So we know, like, if you need blood thinners. Um, you know, they say, you know, vitamin K, and, you know, there's certain vitamins that can affect, you know, the thickness of your blood, or omega-3s. And so if you're going to go take, go to surgery, um, you know, the doctor should have on your med list all the supplements you're taking, so they know if you're taking anything that might thin the blood, and, you know, that would make it harder if you're doing surgery. There's different things, um, 
like that. Or there's, you know, nutrient interactions with, you know, iron and some pill they want to prescribe. It should be on your med list. So if they're not, next time you have an appointment, um, bring, bring your supplements or bring your list, what you're taking, get them updated on your medicine list, please. And if you have questions about specific supplements, I put on your resource list the Office of Dietary Supplements. So this is a um, site you can trust. It's from the National Institute of Health, and there's fact sheets on all the different supplements out there, so you can go and read more um, and get some um, good information on there. And, um, and then there's that brochure that's in the back. So food safety, we have to talk about this as an older adult because our immune systems are not as strong as we age. So um, where we maybe we used to be able to go to barbecues and let food sit out, you know, half the day or, you know, and then eat left, you know, it could make us very, very sick, um, especially as we get older or, you know, if we're in any um, disease state that's immune compromised. So like, you know, a cancer patient going through treatments that might suppress the immune system. Um, so make sure you wash your hands really well, you wash off food before you cut it, so even your know, fruits like a melon, wash that skin before you drag the knife through and contaminate the inside. Um, make sure you cook things to temperature, aren't eating things you know, underdone. Make sure you refrigerate leftovers right away and then reheat them well. So again, very basic things we take for granted, but can really... Foodborne illness is not fun. <coughs> yes, and yeah. I've always wondered when you're washing your fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. is plain cool water enough? Perfect. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. With some scrubbing motion. Yeah. Okay. So a little abrasion, um, but they've tested all those fruit and veggie washes and different things, and they don't do any better than just washing off with water with a little, you know, just using your hand and scrubbing gets rid of most. Um, germs and the same with pesticides and other things that you might be concerned about. Um, it, com it comes out most of it in the water. Yeah. Can you believe those packages of like of lettuce that's already been washed three or four times? Should you still wash it? Again? I do, <laughs> I do, um, because you never know. But um, you know they say so, and it's aseptically packaged. So again, I would rather you eat the lettuce. <laughs> And, um, you know, if it says it's triple wash, you know, if it's that, eat, you know, eat that versus no lettuce at all, go ahead and take that chance. Um, yeah, because I think it's probably minimal. Do you have the 10 worst, um, the 10 best vegetables that don't have the yeah. best advice in the 15 worst? Yes, yeah. So um, we're referring to there's the food lists about um, the dirty dozen yeah, and the clean right. 15 of yeah. foods if you had concerns about. Um, pesticides or residues on foods. There's certain foods that they have to spray more because there's more pests um, that can, so you know, like apples, yeah. you know, they have to spray apples a lot. So if, you, if you're going to buy organic or really scrub certain things, there's a list of the dirty dozen and you can look it up online, dirty dozen. Or, um, yeah, but again, there's not a lot of science behind that. So it's, it's anecdotal, it's kind of good practice, but again, um, there's no science to say that, you know, those minimal residues are going to have any negative health effect. The, the vitamins and the fiber and everything else that come with it is much going to outweigh any risk. And to even get into our food system, foods are tested heavily. Um, they have to meet 
threshold. There can't be over a certain amount of pesticides or residues to be sold. So it, there's very strict guidelines, but even some people aren't comfortable with the government guidelines. They no, think, think you know, the government's a little too lenient. So it depends on your personal philosophy. Um, from the nutrition, wash anyway. yeah, but the washing will get rid of most of it. Um, you had a question. Yes, um, they're saying now that you shouldn't wash chicken before you eat it because the washing uh, puts the bacteria down, yep. spreads it around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have really? you yep. heard from that? Yeah, yeah, and that's something that came out recently where, you know, if you wash the chicken, then it goes all over your sink and then your hands and it might go. So, right, there's no Just, need to wash chicken if you do. Um, make sure then you scrub your sink down right after and wash your hands well after. So if you are going to do that, then just make sure you clean your surrounding where you've done it well before you move on and forget about it. Does that um, include other types of meat? People don't wash a lot of other kind of meats. It's usually the chicken. Um, yeah, but I guess if you do, yeah, if you do, I would say it's a good practice. Right? It would be a good practice because any raw, they say, you know, don't cut raw meat and then cut raw vegetables right on the same cutting board. Um, so you want to clean in between or have a separate board. So I would say the same thing. Anything, if you're rinsing raw meat, um, to go ahead and clean your area first. Yeah. I recently heard something about not washing spinach. Have you heard anything about no. that? No. Oh. No. Not washing what? Spinach. Spinach. Mm. spinach. And what do you, was there a reason given? I don't given? remember the resource where I mm -hmm. heard from. And I would, my question would be, do they mean raw spinach or after it's been cooked? Because I could see, you know, after you cook something, right, then the water turns green yeah. and you wash it more and you probably lose a lot of vitamins. But I don't see any reason why when it's raw, you don't, you wouldn't have any benefit there. So I guess yeah. maybe if it was yeah. cooked. Yeah. So food safety. Um, so now the challenges. So we know all what we should do, um, what it looks like, but what gets in the way. And there's you know, many different things. The physiological, so when we think of our actual bodies, um, appetite and absorption, we've talked about you know, we can have decreased taste buds um, and our digestive system doesn't maybe work as well. Teeth changes, taste changes, and then disease, disability can all factor in. And we've already talked about, you know, glucose intolerance and osteopenia, you know, disease conditions that have, you know, are affecting what we choose. Psychological, so we get um, huge when we think about our mental health, um, depression, anxiety, um, death, that these all have a huge, so mind, body are one and the same. You know, we, we like to separate and we're, we're not, we're holistic people and we know like if, if we're you know not feeling great you know mentally or physically that's going to have effects on our behavior our choices environmental things affect nutrition so scan say we live in a residential um you know care facility we don't cook for ourselves anymore or um or a partner passed and now it's just us and we don't feel like cooking for one and cleaning up for one and then socioeconomic um, fixed incomes, a lot of medications that cost a lot that might um, you know, affect our food budget. So I'm gonna have, um, just show a couple pictures and we can talk through strategies maybe that um, we've found, we can share with each other, um, things that help. So dentition issues. So if you ever have trouble chewing and swallowing, um, you know, how can you modify 
Cut it up. Cut it up. Yeah, cut, cut it, it up. Put it in the blender. Put it in the blender. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of softer things. So it's saying, okay, the raw apple might be out, but yeah, uh, unsweetened applesauce. Um, yeah, you can get your nutrition that way. Yeah. All right. So by manually kind of changing texture, consistency. Um, eating makes me gassy. So again, we talk about a lot of those digestive enzymes now are um, not at their prime. So if, you're, if food makes you gassy, what can we do? Tums? Yeah, right. Uh, Beano works great. I don't know if people have done Beano, but especially like if fiber, if you find fiber, if you're adding beans or uh, whole grains in your diet and it's discomfortable, the Beano is one that works really well for What's folks. What's Beano? Um, it's a digestive enzyme. Um, so yeah, right, it gives you a little extra to break down if you take some people so so gassy some people aren't there'll be no gas and some people just yeah some people just naturally just look at it yeah and it depends like so someone with lactose intolerance is going to be very gassy if they do dairy because of the enzymes um so again everyone's digestive system is so unique um, and quirky and i'm glad i'm not a gi dietitian i'll just say that because it's a very frustrating um field but um, yeah, gassy, so again, if it's fiber related, again, start small, gradually add, drink plenty of fluids with it. Um, moving your body, so the more physically active you are, the more it moves things through your system too. So um, you know, getting out, taking a walk, doing any kind of movement is gonna help things be more comfortable and move through. Um, and not big meals, you know, so smaller, more frequent meals can help. Food just doesn't taste the same. So again, taste buds, we know change, um, decrease, or medications might um, impact our taste. So if you experience taste changes, are there things, strategies that work? <coughs> and usually it's dulled sense of taste. Things just are bland for older adults. And again, we don't want salt, right? <laughs> because that was on the things to decrease. So what are other things you can use other than salt to add flavor? Herbs and spices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Herbs and spices are so underutilized mm -hmm. in American Mrs. cooking. Mrs. Dash? Yeah, Mrs. Dash works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, so dust off your, your, your spice racks, okay. um, get some fresh ones, but yeah, adding herbs and spices. Um, adding fat can add flavor too. So if it's good fat, so we talked about you know the animal and the man-made sources of fat being the unhealthy kind. So the healthy kinds then they're coming from plant and fish. So plant fats, I think about nuts and seeds or nut butters, olive oils, canola oil, so any vegetable liquid oils, they're coming from plants. Nuts and seeds, they're plants. Avocado, plant. Um, so if you think about Plant fats, those can add some flavor. They, get, they coat the mouth, right? Fat coats the mouth, gives a good, um, so a little bit goes a long way, but you know, chopping up some avocado to go on something, a little sprinkle of, you know, sunflower seeds on something can add a little crunch and taste. Where are we standing now with butter? Mm -hmm. Is butter the healthy one or not butter? Yeah. Yeah. Every year it changes. It, it does, it does. Um, so, um, <coughs> Let's go to margarine first. Okay. So margarine is that trans fat, right? It's that, you know, they took vegetable oil and they chemically manipulated it and made it into this solid stick. Okay. Solid man-made fats we already know are bad, bad, bad. Don't do it. Um, 
they now make a lot of tub spreads, which those are okay, right? Those are okay because what they do is they take liquid vegetable oil um, and they you know thin butter with it, or it's, you know on the ingredient list it's a lot of it's mostly oil, so they can't get it into a solid stick. So tubs are better than sticks. So if you're looking for a spread, a tub is going to be better than a stick. Uh, so stick butter is going to be all saturated fat. So we say a little bit goes a long ways. Um, and it depends how you feel about processed foods versus more natural. You know, butter is more natural than some of the tub type spreads. So, you know, in, in my house, I have, I both, okay. right? And, you know, I bake with butter. And, but you guys, how often, how much? If it's something you use regularly on toast every day, then maybe I say, well, okay, maybe the tub one with the vegetable oils blended in might be a better choice for you. When I'm cooking, I'm always using oils. Canola or vegetable or olive, um, so in my cooking. So it's only baking or spreads that I would think about using those salads. And when I do, in moderation, because they're coming from those less healthy sources. I've tried to use the tubs. Mm -hmm. I'm substituting that for the butter, and it's yeah. not the same. Right, because there's the liquid vegetable oil, and you yeah. never really put oil in, other than like if you were making a banana bread or no. something. So you uh, you would use a stick. I would. Butter down. Okay. Yeah, I would. And then just watch my portion, because again, we're talking yeah. about, you know, that has a lot of calories and not a lot of nutrients mm -hmm. when we're baking. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't get out to go shopping, or could be I'm not motivated to go out and go shopping. So in this kind of a situation, you know, we already heard, like, you know, go to a senior center, right, where a meal's prepared for you, um, or have Meals on Wheels come in, or, you know, make um, you know communal potlucks invite people over and have a shared meal make it social it tends to help uh, and there's a lot of services available now too if you can't get out or don't want to have things delivered to a home um, too much trouble to cook for one like this is true I mean even in my house when my spouse is away like my motivation to make a nice meal like it just <laughs> dives um, so you have to really kind of gear up but so in this case what you know what are some strategies if you're just one and you're one all the time like w we got to deal with this right um, what could work I mean I have some really good cookbooks just for one yeah. right so get and some I set a nice plate yes I don't just eat out of yes that's a big one the environment creating right a nice place to eat matters. Mm -hmm. um, so have flowers, have a candle, put music on, re, you know, sit at a table designed for eating, like make it, um, make it nice. And you know, even when I'm you know, eating for one at lunchtime in my little lunch bag, I put a cloth napkin and real silverware in there. And just that act of like, you know, it makes me more mindful, I enjoy my food better. Um, so little things um, can can help um, with that. Thinking back to the, that motivation, you got to really want it. So think about for you, why is it worth it? So when you're just like, oh, I'm not sure if I really have the energy or the time. Why is it worth it to you? Why do you care? How about a crock pot and freeze a few? Yes, mm -hmm. great strategy. So cook once, mm -hmm. eat many times, right? You know, I'll do that with like a chili or a stew, you know, soup, make a big pot. And they have the machines now that turn off automatically yeah. after four hours, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's a great, great strategy. And now, you know, there's a lot of, you know, 
prepared foods or partly prepared, you know, chopped up already, or they talk about frozen, you know, frozen vegetables, just as nutritious as fresh, um, right? And it can save you so you don't get chopped broccoli or mixed vegetables, like no shame in that, no nutrients lost, um, you know, prepare, add some, you know, healthy oils and herbs and spices, make it interesting, um, or, you know, make a big pan of roasted vegetables on Monday or Sunday, and then eat off it all week long. So, um, yeah, it takes a little bit of planning ahead, thinking it through, but it can, can help. Things like, you know, breads, products freeze really well. So if you're worried about breads going bad, you know, I'll buy my English muffins and they go right in the freezer. Those 100% Thomas, right in the freezer. And I take out one attempt. They defrost in a jiffy or right in the microwave or you can put them right in the toaster. Um, and they, they can be in there indefinitely. So, um, you know, and I always have quick, easy ideas. So things like, you know, my can of tuna and then my spice rack and I've got my pepper, my dill and my garlic powder. And in the fridge drawer, there's carrots and celery and those, right, those don't go bad. You can keep those for months, usually. Um, and so I'll, you know, grate up a carrot and some celery, open a can of tuna, put in my herbs, and in the freezer, I've got my English muffin, pull it out, tuna melt. I've got my whole grain, my vegetable, and my healthy protein, and I'm done. On the tuna, I read that light tuna is better than white tuna. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so again, any tuna, any fish is better than no fish. Right. So there's a spectrum. Um, and then if you want to do light tuna versus solid, right? Um, light tuna comes from smaller tuna fishes. So think about the food chain. The bigger you get, okay, the more mercury goes up the food chain, right? Big fish eat all the smaller fish. It concentrates the mercury going up the food chain. So if you have any concerns about mercury, which as an older adult, we don't actually, right? You're not pregnant. Your brains aren't developing. So I could care less. If you prefer white albacore tuna, fine. But if you did have any concerns about mercury, then you'd want to choose the chuck light. So it depends so what you're So that's what the big control. thing is about. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other quick thing I have is, you know, always eggs and peanut butter on hand. So I say, I can always make an omelet and I have kibba jar of salsa, right? So now I've got my whole wheat English muffin in the fridge. So I say, I can always scramble up an egg and put some salsa on it. There's my vegetable, my protein, and my whole grain, and I can feel really good about that meal. Didn't take me long to cook, clean up. So having just even a few things you always have on hand that you can feel good about, um, that helps. Not hungry. And a lot of times this is because, you know, we're feeling depressed or sad or, right, and pain, right? could be a lot of reasons. Um, but if you don't have appetite to eat, what can we do? Shakes or smoothies. Mm -hmm, right, liquids often go down better. So, right, make a, make a smoothie or soup, something that's kind of nourishing and more liquid. Um, do the same thing about you know setting a nice table, inviting people over. So making it, if you can't do it for you, maybe you know invite some others in. Um, affording things, food and medicine. Um, right. So again, financial assistance. Um, think about food budget. So again, thinking about less expensive. Like so, the peanut butters, the eggs, the tuna. Things that are less expensive but still really nourishing. How do we buy food smartly? Um, beans are really cheap and nutritious. 
And then um, number four, we're not going to actually spend any time on. I just want you to be aware that there's um, different methods, and they're all listed on your uh, the bottom. Nutrition assessments determined as a checklist: disease, eating poorly, tooth loss, economic hardship, social contact reduced, multiple medications, losing weight without meaning to needing assistance in self-care and being above 80, those all put you at risk for malnutrition. So that's a screening, um, and that's what it looks like. So if you go online, it'll look like that. It'll score you certain points, and depending on your score, you're healthy, at risk, or malnourished. Um, and this is another one, mini nutrition assessment. So just a couple questions about um, chewing, swallowing, mobility, appetite, um, weight, and then depending on your score, you get normal, at risk, or undernourished. So these are things if you wanted to do, curious at home. And then always, you know, dietitians are your best source of nutrition information. So if you get confused and things are out there, you're not sure, um, you know, talk to your doctor, you know, see a dietitian. Um, we're happy to help, try to clarify. Um, and. If I have three takeaways for you today, one is less calories, lots of nutrients. Okay, less calories, lots of nutrients. That balanced plate, think about it every time you're making a meal. And the third is remember why it's worth it. From that motivation standpoint, when the challenges, the barriers come up, why personally do you care? Is it for disease prevention? Is it to take the least amount of medications possible? Is it because you've got you know, a mile marker you want to meet, a birthday, a wedding, an anniversary, a, you, know, you want to be the help, you want to climb a certain mountain? Like, what is it that's going to make the difference when you're like, oh, I don't really feel like it today. It's not worth it. I, you know, that banana bread looks really good. Um, yeah, so those, those three things just keep in mind. And the Hippocrates quote, probably everyone's heard, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And we always think, you know, do your best with lifestyle. Um, and then you can feel really good about that piece as we age and the things out of our control can, can just be. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks.